Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Saturday, November 25th, 2017. This is episode 157. Standardized testing is worthless. The great Hall of Fame football coach, Bill Parcells, once said, quote, you are what your record says you are, end quote. What Coach Parcells was telling us was that over the course of a 16-game season, in the National Football League, if you had an eight and eight record, eight wins, eight losses, you're an average team. You certainly weren't good enough to be considered for any championship, and you by no means were the worst team in the league. But if your record was 6 and 10, well, the same thing applies, except in the land of Parcells, those six victories would never be moral victories, nor would any other successes that came along throughout the season because he would never forgive or forget those 10 losses. This brings me to standardized testing. Standardized testing has been around for a long time in the educational system in the United States. One of the most prominent standardized tests is the SAT, which is taken each year, usually by juniors and seniors in high school, to help determine their eligibility for certain colleges. I will start off by saying that when I took the SAT, the highest score you were able to achieve on the SAT was a 1600. 800 in math and 800 in the reading comprehension portion. The highest scores I ever attained came to a cumulative 1,090. I got a 400, that's right, a 400 on my verbal and a 690 on my math. And I know for a fact that those scores were a product of the following. 
I hated to read and to write all through grammar school, middle school, and high school. And I didn't like most of my teachers either. My reading comprehension for the longest time was extremely, extremely slow. It's gotten to be quicker as the years have gone by because I do a lot more reading now. But I would say easily for the first 25 years of my life, it was nothing short of dreadful. I absolutely credit my college roommates and just classmates in general to for helping me do well in my English courses in college. Because boy, I certainly didn't pick up much when I was in my K to 12 school system. And I can't just blame the teachers. I was partially to blame as well because I just didn't like it. So I didn't put forth any efforts. The 690 in the math, that still bothers me to this day. I really believe in my heart of hearts I should have broken 700. And I think the thing that really tripped me up was when I got into high school and I started getting into geometry and everything beyond the trigonometry and the pre-calculus and the calculus, I didn't, didn't enjoy those. I loved algebra, but I didn't like anything past algebra very much. And I've always been a numbers person love things having to do with logic, games, things of that nature. 1090. That 1090 defined me in so many ways. The 690 that wasn't the 700. The it, the ridiculous disparity of 400 to 690. It's so lopsided and it looks so poor because it makes me look so smart in one area and just flat out dumb in another. The fact that it didn't break 1100, and let me tell you something, it cost me. It cost me in terms of scholarship money, grants, even trying to get basic loans. That SAT score defined me. That four-digit number defined me. It defined me like a social security number defines a person. And I can never shake it. It will always be there. Here's the question I have for you. Am I a failure? Have I been unsuccessful in things I've been able to do throughout the course of my life? Here's a bit of irony. Which skills do you think have helped me more as a musician and a teacher? Math or verbal? I think you know the answer to that and it's pretty obvious. 
No, I was not somebody who at age 27 was di diagnosed with dyslexia, as so many people have. No, I didn't find out later on that I had a learning disability or something wasn't diagnosed properly. No, there was none of those things for me. For other people, perhaps. For other people, they may have not had the resources available. For other people, they may have come from extremely small school systems. Places where you simply had to just deal with what you had. When I went to school, you may have had a textbook that was just simply old and outdated. Reading a social studies text with incorrect information. The type of textbook that still has Czechoslovakia in it. Standardized testing is absolutely one of the most ridiculous things ever concocted in the history of this planet. And I do not say this at all because it had affected me in any way, shape, or form. There's not one moment, not one moment in my life where I've sat back and said, wow, that 1090 really messed me up. I never thought like that. No, I actually looked back on school and realized, you dummy, you messed up in a lot of ways when you were growing up. You messed up in high school because you didn't do well in other classes. Forget about just the standardized testing. I put more blame on myself for that because I've always been open with my students. I was by no means a great student when I was in high school. Average at best. But my grade point average still did not hurt me nearly as much as that 1090 did. And I guess it really didn't matter much to me then. And it still doesn't matter much to me personally now. Because I wound up going to a college which was absolutely perfect for me. I'm so grateful that the other colleges I had applied to, I did not get accepted into, or the ones that I did get accepted into, I did not decide to attend. For me, the school was perfect. It was at the right time, and I was in the right place with the right people in terms of staff members, in terms of uh, my classmates, my the fellow musicians. We had amazing, amazing musical talent. And it was a great campus. I wouldn't trade anything in the world for the education I received for those four years. But you know what? I'm one of the lucky ones. Things bounced my way. And don't think for a minute I didn't work hard. Oh, I worked hard. My sophomore year of college... I had 49 credits, 49 credits, and 49 credits spread over 29 classes. 
I'll be happy to show anyone my transcript. And I'm proud of that accomplishment. But this is not a podcast to boast and brag. Because I'm not about that and I'm not like that. We need to talk about the issue here. Standardized testing. Let's go back to that quote by Parcells. You are what your record says you are. Which means that if you're eight and eight, you're average. If you're 10 and six, you're above average. If you're 12 and four, you're pretty darn good. If you're 14 and two, you've got one special season. And if you are two and 14, you are at the bottom of the toilet. So what does all that mean? Does the 2 and 14 record define a person, define a coach, define a team? It's an interesting question. And the reason I ask it is because I firmly believe that our society of people who know nothing about education are the ones, the very people, making the decisions on what should and should not be part of the educational process. Because to this day, I have never, not once, have I ever met an educator worth their weight in gold worth their weight in anything who knows what they're doing, who will look at you and say to your face, yes, I would love to teach to the test all day. I would love nothing more than to say this is to this as this is to this as we prepare our children for the verbal portion of the exam. Or wording the math problems in such a way, just like they're going to see on the SATs. I believe that many of these people, and I'll be happy to say it, these fools who have the gall and the audacity to actually... Look at a quote like what Parcells Parcells said and believe that that 8 and 8 record just happened. It didn't just happen. Yes, that's what the final result is. But the last time I checked and for anyone who's ever played any organized team sport, which I think would be quite a few people in this country, you don't just have an eight and eight record. There was a process. There was a process to get to that eight and eight. And I'm not talking about you won one week and you lost another week. You want, no, that's not the process. 
things happen throughout the course of the season. The football coach is ultimately and sadly going to be judged by wins and losses. But especially, especially now more than ever in the 21st century, where we have cameras coming from literally every angle short of Mars on a football field, you can see everything. You can see if the quarterback's issues are rooted in the person's head, in their mechanics, or is it the fact that they've got a lousy offensive line? Do they have wide receivers that keep dropping passes every single time they're targeted? Are the targets, well, are they on target? And are they being caught every single time? Or is the quarterback getting lucky? See, we can look at all of those variables. And you don't want to be that player if you missed a block to have to go to that sideline. Because as important as that touchdown or that field goal is or any point scored in the game, that block could mean the difference between a score and someone having a season-ending injury. It's all part of the process. When it comes to football, there's a training camp. And every year, it seems to be starting earlier and earlier. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but there are a lot of camps that lead up to the ultimate training camp where there are exhibition games and then the, the regular season begins. This is the case in every single team sport in the United States. There is a process that's involved. You make a decision at some point along the way, this is how our team is going to go. And why is it going to go that way? Because you're playing to the strengths of your team. You're trying to do everything that you can to try to cover up your weaknesses, build the strengths enough so hopefully you can work past the weaknesses as best as possible. Well, how much different is this than the educational system? Well, I'll tell you what the first big difference is. The educational system in the United States is broken. Because... How can you possibly say that students in a posh suburban neighborhood where they have more money than God available to them and they can take tutoring session after tutoring session, SAT class after SAT class and get all of the extra help and resources they need using the techniques proven to ensure that they can get that extra 50 or 60 points to put them over the edge, you're going to sit here and tell me that those students deserve better than students who are 
their equals in terms of their intelligence and potential in districts that are not as well-to-do? Do you not see the inequity here? It makes me really angry. It makes me really angry that everything in our educational system right now hinges upon these asinine tests. If you're a parent listening to this, and I sure hope you're hearing this, let me give you an idea of how utterly ridiculous this testing is. This is where we're at right now as a society. People who actually believe that this is conducive and productive to society and is appropriate for our children. In recent years, I have been both a proctor and an an administrator, I'll get the words out, a proctor and, and an administrator for the park testing in the state of New Jersey, P-A-R-C-C. And I have to be honest, I hate the test so much, I don't even, I can't even remember what the acronym stands for, and I couldn't care less. Here's how the park works. I kid you not. All of the testing is done online. So everything is done on a computer. Okay, I can see that being all right because it is time to kind of get up up to, to snuff with the 21st century. And most districts have pretty much gotten this down in terms of what needs to be done to get everything to run smoothly. What happens on the day of the test is the is that all of the school districts that are working on the test on that given day connect to a portal for a, well, of course, a large educational firm. And I could go on for a long time about that particular firm, and I choose to say nothing. Because you can find out enough if you do your research as to how that all came about as to how that firm is in place and they're the ones that were chosen. I'm not going to get into that because that's not what this is about today. Because if it wasn't going to be that particular company, it was going to be some other company. So I'm not going to fault them. But the por- well, you connect to their portal. Every student has to connect to the teacher's computer. The teacher verifies that everybody's connected and everybody's all signed in. The teacher will then read instructions to the students. When I'm talking about students, I'm talking about third graders. I'm talking about fourth graders, fifth graders, sixth graders, but third graders, eight-year-olds taking the standardized testing. There's more. The test... does not start right away until the teacher asks the final question, does anybody have any questions before we're about to begin? 
Because before that time, what the teacher is going to also tell the students is the following. During the course of the test, and I'm paraphrasing, during the course of the test, I will not be able to help you with any questions you may have. I'm sorry, that sounded so obscene and so absurd, I think it's worth repeating. During the course of the test, I am unable to answer any questions you have. Are you kidding me? I couldn't believe it when I found this out my first year that I was an administrator. As a teacher, pretty sternly pulled me off to the side when a student was about to ask me a question. A simple question that had nothing to do with the answers that had to do with just understanding what the heck the directions were. Because English was not the first language for this eight-year-old. The teacher pulled me off to the side, and they weren't mean, but they were stern. And they said, you can't speak to the student at all. The only thing you're allowed to say to the student is, I would love to help you, but I can't. Really? I would love to help you what I can't. What the heck am I even doing in the classroom then? To that, here's what I say. Bring the people in from the educational service, have them administer the test. You certainly don't need me for any reason other than being a lackey in the room to just make sure that the system goes by smoothly. I mean, you can't make this up. That's how this test works. I have no reason to make it up. I, I lived it. I, I've gone through it for years now. Watching these poor children get stressed out and have their parents on their case and having administrators who I can't fault anybody in the educational system because our hands are tied. Administrators saying to the children, make sure you get a good night's sleep and a nice breakfast in the morning. Because our jobs depend on it. You see, in the state of New Jersey, as things stand right now, part of your very evaluation as a teacher is dependent on the results of this test. Ah! What the heck does, is that all about? My heart breaks for any, any teacher out there who is a special education teacher. Because here is the other secret that people may not know. When students get frustrated on tests, not all of them, but some of them, they just give up. Well, I can't get this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm reading. I don't understand the question they're asking. I'm just going to skip it. 
you know what? I don't understand the next thing. You know what? I think I'm going to skip the entire thing. I have seen students before with 504s, IEPs, students with ADHD, students with severe learning disabilities. They've finished their park testing in 10 minutes for a section which might be 90 minutes long. It gets even worse. For students who fall under a particular classification, which means that they are deemed to need extended time because maybe their processing is delayed or whatever the case may be based on everything I've just given you, those students are allowed to have additional time to take their tests. And they still finish in 10 minutes. Do you know why? Because they look at the questions. They don't know. They, they don't understand the question. And if they get frustrated, they may just move on. Now, listen, that's not everybody. There are plenty of students who fall into that classification who do take the extra time. Here's what they can't get. They can't get, well, this is what this question means. No, you're not allowed to do that. You can't do that. You cannot help the students in any way. And you're not, uh, when I am simply reading a question to a student with no insinuation of any kind, just simply reading the question because a student is unable to read it, This is where the educational system is in the United States right now. This is in the state of New Jersey, which has one of the greatest all-around uh, scores in the United States when it comes to school districts. New Jersey has consistently ranked in the top five compared with other states. And I'm not saying that in any way to slight any other state. But in a state where the educational system was absolutely is not broken, but not perfect, standardized testing rules the roost. It's unbelievable. Let's go back to the football again. You are what your record says you are. So now you get that score on your standardized testing. And you get that score in third grade. Let's say the day of the test, that student Let's say they suffered a loss in their family. And for whatever reason, the parents still sent the child in because they felt a responsibility to ensure that the child is taking the test. Do you think that child's head is going to be into the test? 
What happens if they didn't get a meal in the morning? Do you have any idea how many children I've taught over the past 20 years who don't eat breakfast in the morning? It might upset their stomach. Maybe they're too nervous to eat. They could feel like they're going to vomit before they get or when they get to school. Or perhaps it's in one of the urban neighborhoods where I've taught, where children don't even have a place to sleep, don't even get dinner the night before, much less breakfast in the morning. Or they're kept up all night because of a neighbor who you can hear right through the drywall next door. Has anybody thought about that? I sincerely doubt it. And you wonder why some of these test scores are what they are. See, our society, we don't have any place for failure. We don't want failures. We only want people that are going to be a success. Isn't that what life is all about? You have to be successful all the time. And if you're not successful, well, we don't want anything to do with you. Success should not be determined when you're nine years old. You do okay on the math portion of the park. But even though you may have the IQ to handle math, which could be more advanced than the fourth grade, you're not going to be placed there. And the reason you're not going to be placed there is because they're going to look at your score on the park tests. Is it the only indicator? No. Is it one of the major ones? Yes. And school districts being defined by their test scores. I worked in a school district for so many years, so many years, with brilliant children, wonderful, wonderful kids who passed through the music program when I where I taught. I mean, some of the most amazing people, and I can, I, I am so happy and so proud to say I've watched so many of them go on and be so successful in their lives with whatever it is that they did. Do you know how many of them did not do well in the standardized testing? And then the worst thing happened. The district had a few years where they just didn't score as high as the past. The district should not be blamed for that. The district should be blamed because the students for that one particular year didn't do as well. All of a sudden, it's now the teacher's faults, the, the, the faults of the, of, the, of the teachers in those elementary schools. The system all of a sudden is broken. I don't believe it. But if it happens, it can cause people to panic. And when you panic, now you start to place priority on other things. And what happens to 
the things that mattered the most, they now matter the least. So here's what has ultimately happened, not everywhere, but almost throughout the state of New Jersey anyway. In almost every school district in New Jersey, you have a lot of school districts who have set up the system now for mediocrity. Oh, you're still going to have high achievers. But every single precaution and measure is taken for your students who are average and below average and the ones much lower than that to do anything and everything at whatever costs to make sure that those test scores are up to snuff. 10 months of education all riding on one week's worth of testing. How sad. How sad when children are now being asked to stay before to to come to school an hour before the start of the school day, to stay after school, to come in during their recess, to be forced to come in during their recess times, to be pulled out of all different types of classes to ensure that the testing is where it needs to be and that they are ready. The types of rigors that our children are going through in the educational system, most adults don't even go through in the real world. They're the types of things that you don't even go through for a, a job interview or the, the interviewing process. Here's what should be happening. If you want to have the testing, fine. But the testing should be completely and absolutely in alignment with what is good for children. And the test, if anything, it's got to change. Because this, this crazy idea of not being able to help children in any way during the test. And again, it's not giving them the answers. Yes, I know there are people, unfortunately, in our educational system who are unethical. I get it. And they worry about their jobs, so they may say or do the wrong thing. I would like to believe that, that it never happens, but it has. And back in the day... Heaven help you if you lost a test booklet. Because I knew of one time when a school misplaced a test booklet and I believe the fine was about $30,000. Not to mention the big black eye on the school district and the fact that they were being, the big brother was all over them. Making sure that they didn't do that ever again. It was one test booklet that was missing.
But this standardized testing, it's a disaster. It's absolutely not indicative in any way, shape, or form of what our students are able to do. And I heard something, and I don't remember who the person was, and if I could remember right now, I would absolutely give him the credit, but he did a a talk, uh, he did a TED talk on YouTube, and one of the most fascinating things, and I hope you'll think about this, that he mentioned, how ironic that all of the money right now is going into the math and the verbal. Where's the money not going? It's not going into social studies. It's just history. Who cares? Science? <laughs> science? What does science matter? I mean, after all, who really wants to become a doctor? Who wants to come up with the cure for cancer? Nobody's really interested in that, right? Or what about the arts? Is there any money in the in it for anyone out there? No, the money is with the math and language arts. How convenient. The arts in general are so neglected when it comes to examining a child, examining a person of any age and what their capabilities are. And let's forget about the arts because the arts often involves creativity. The last time I checked, I don't think anybody really cared about the math and verbal scores of Thomas Jefferson or Abraham Lincoln or John F. Kennedy or Donald Trump. People don't care. That doesn't matter. What matters in the case of those men that I mentioned and anyone else who's had any type of vision and had any modicum of success, that's what matters. You know, there are so many people out there who absolutely hate our current president. And I always say that I won't talk about politics. But I truly believe in my heart of hearts. I do not think that our president nor any past president is doing something that he absolutely has not wanted to do. Unless his unless his, his hand is being held to the fire. And that's happened with every president. But math and verbal scores, those are the only things that determine whether a person should be eligible for Harvard. 
or should be thrown into a community college and have to work your way up the ladder. And let's go even one step further. Who in the world ever said in 2017 that you must, you absolutely must have a college degree to be worth anything? This mindset in the country, well, if you don't get a college degree, you're going to, and I'll quote this because people say it all the time, you're going to be working at McDonald's. You know what? There are plenty of people I've known that have worked at McDonald's and they've done very well for themselves as they've worked their way up and become regional managers. Now who's laughing? As they're making more money than you with your college degree. That's right, the college degree. You know, the one you were able to get with all that scholarship money because you got a 1510 on the SATs because you did really well in the tests and you got lots of extra preparation and you are smart, but you're not necessarily smarter than some other people who may have not had the opportunity or people who probably would have gotten a 1600 had the SATs been in social studies and science. Or if it had been phys ed and music. I would love to see if that standardized testing will ever come out. Oh, I'm sorry. It never will. Because that's not where the money is. Everything is wrong with our educational system. And the way that I'm going to finish up this podcast by saying that is as follows. Examine the educational systems of, we'll say, 10 different school districts. They, they, they make sure they're K-12 to districts, all comparable in size. See if all of the districts have the same exact curricula, the same mission statement, the same educational approach on what matters, what's important, what isn't important, and how they service the students at large. Because if you think that students are the first priority when it comes to education, then you don't know anything about education at all. Because students, in the grand scheme of things, are just numbers. That's it. Not names. Numbers. And when I teach in a classroom, I don't teach students 2543, 0782, and 6641. 
I'm teaching Bobby, Joe, and Jennifer, real people with real feelings, with real things going on in their lives. And I can assure you, there's not one night that those children are thinking to themselves, hey, I can't wait till I get to take those standardized tests. You are what your record says you are. The American educational system, at the moment, I'll give them a record of 0 and 16.